Hey everyone, uh, welcome out to Grace again. Uh, it's good to be together. And if you're uh, online or if you're at Montrose, thanks for uh, tuning in that way and gathering together. Um, excited to finish up this series, How to Relate to God. Um, it's kind of all one moment with Jesus, but I encourage you if you've missed uh, any kind of the pieces of that conversation along the way, uh, get that app out and uh, listen to it during the week or, or catch up some other time because uh, there's a lot here. And uh, it all kind of works together and I hope to kind of wrap that up here at the end. Uh, one of the things we've been saying throughout uh, this whole series is that God is relational. Uh, he's not transactional. And you, you kind of see that as, as you read through uh, Matthew 6 to 7. Uh, you, you see how things like uh, generosity and prayer and uh, kind of the worries of life and like seeking God and uh, trying to hear him, all those things can feel very like formulaic <laughs> and they can feel like, how do I get God to work in my favor? favor? But uh, Jesus very much is trying to correct some of the, uh, the misunderstandings about those things, that uh, these aren't transactions, right? Uh, to get us on God's good side, to get uh, his favor, to get him to work on our, be our behalf. But really, uh, these are ways he wants to relate to us. And uh, today we're going to finish that out. We're going to be in Matthew 7, uh, verses 1 through 5. And then we're also going to round it out with uh, verse 12. Uh, if you have the app, it'll all be right in there. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 7. If you don't have a Bible but would like a physical copy of the Bible, I'd encourage you uh, to stop out in the lobby after service and uh, just ask someone from our First Impressions team, is, hey, I heard there are free Bibles. <laughs> and uh, they would love to give you one. And that's kind of just our gift. We would love for you to have a physical copy uh, of God's Word. And so uh, we're going to be uh, finishing this out, uh, this teaching moment with Jesus where he's trying to help us grapple with this question and, and answer that for us, how to relate to God. It'll also be up here on the screen. Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. <laughs> this is hypocritical, right? This is incongruent. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. And that, that's what Jesus is doing. He's speaking to a, a Jewish audience and, and they have these law and these prophets. They have a, a way of understanding how to relate to God and Jesus is trying to bring them back to a, a proper way of, of what God meant. Um, but here we are in this topic of judging others, not judging others. And um, that's just super hard, right? <laughs> Hopefully we can uh, admit that. It's so easy for me to like see the faults in other people and so easy for me to miss uh, the faults in my own. Like this just happens hundreds of times each day, at least in my life. I feel like I have some kind of like radar that uh, is just inter internal and it's forever on inside of me. And it doesn't matter whether I'm like at the grocery store or at home or at work or on social media. And uh, that radar is just continually like comparing me to other people. And the dial of that radar is set to judging. <laughs> and it's like, man, do you know how stupid <laughs> they are like, or that they would buy that? Or like, what does the lady at Aldi need all that Diet Coke for? And I'm just like continue like judging it. Or I'm like thinking about something that someone said 
said, I'm like, I would never say that or something someone does at work. And I'm like, I would never do that. Or something that someone's like touting is what they want to be known for. I'm like, I would never want to be known for that. Um, but I never say that out loud. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's how it's this internal radar where it's hard to like turn that off, even though we're not, we're not going around and being judgmental people. I hope we're not. Um, it kind of this is this thing that exists inside of, inside of us that is like not good. We know it's not good. It's always there. And um, I think that that's super hard because we live in a, a culture that is saturated with uh, critique and judgment. <laughs> and uh, what's crazy about this too is that um, sometimes uh, the people who are framed as the most judgmental people in our culture are uh, sometimes labeled as Christians. <laughs> and if, you're, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus or if you're considering being a follower of Jesus, like knowing that uh, Christians are de- like framed as judgmental is not very appealing. And I hope that even just by reading what we just read, you can see that um, that's very incongruent like with what Jesus is talking about. Like how can uh, that exist in us when Jesus is calling us to something so radically different from the rest of the world? Um, but we don't know how to turn it off, right? Like, many of us, maybe we, we follow Jesus and we know that's inside of us and we don't know how to change that. And uh, what I, I want to uh, help us with today is show us how Jesus recognizes that we all have this internal uh, kind of radar to compare and to judge. And um, while we can't turn that off, there is another setting on, on that radar. There's another setting on the dial. And uh, it's, it's on the other end of the spectrum from judgment to compassion and understanding instead of condemnation. And uh, Jesus very much lived his life attuned to uh, God and to others in that way. And uh, he's inviting us uh, into that same experience, into, into uh, freedom uh, from uh, either experiencing that in your own heart or, or um, even uh, in your own life. And so that's what we're going to uh, walk through today. And um, the, the path we're going to take to get there is um, we're first going to look at uh, what Jesus meant by not judging. Like we want to define that and understand what he meant. And we also want to look at how he lived that because um, Jesus didn't teach things he didn't live, <laughs> that he didn't live out. And so we'll kind of start there and get a framework for uh, what Jesus meant when he said this. And then we'll also, uh, secondly, talk about how to better relate to God and not judging. Um, this is what the series is, right? This is actually something very much that involves God. It's not just something that happens between you and me um, or you and someone else. This is something that, that God is a part of, and we're going to look at that. And lastly, uh, it does play out further than just God. We're going to talk about how that uh, can affect how we relate to others because uh, uh, Jesus talks about that. He doesn't expect this just to be between us and God. He expects those realities to play out in our everyday life with uh, people we actually uh, share life with. So uh, we're going to walk through that here. And uh, let's start by defining what Jesus meant by not judging. So uh, that word uh, to judge in the Bible, it's this word krino. I always love to teach you guys Greek words. Uh, so the New Testament was written in, in Greek. That's its original language. And uh, krino was this word for judge. And uh, it had kind of two main meanings, but at the core of both of them was this idea that you were, uh, you were separating things out and picking something out amongst it, right? It was this idea that like you're sifting, you're evaluating, and something is picked out amongst it. Now, there were two ways that that got used. One of the ways that uh, Jesus is using here is this idea to condemn. 
And so uh, the way we would know that it's being used in that way is because it often is described that way in relationships. So like when, when crino happens between us, um, there's condemnation. I am uh, in complete disapproval of you. Um, there's criticism, attack, usually publicly, uh, like vocally that happens. And uh, when crino happens in relationship or like uh, with another person, it's usually used in this idea of, of condemnation. It's like a, it's judging. There's another way this word gets used uh, that actually shows up in the Bible and I actually think Jesus would be absolutely fine with uh, and it's this idea of discerning, right? So think about like sifting through all the noise and like picking the thing that's true out of that. Usually you see this show up in the Bible when we're talking about an idea, something that's true about like God or how like the world works or about who Jesus is. And um, this is, I think, very much something that Jesus wanted us to understand. I think that we're called to discern, but not to condemn. Why do I think this? It's because Jesus is very much doing that in this moment. Like, he's teaching. He's trying to be like, hey, you want to be uh, people who follow me and who relate better with God? You can't be people who are judgmental. (laughs) Like, I want you to discern why that's not a part of the character of God, Um, why that shouldn't define you as my followers. Um, He's teaching them all sorts of things about prayer and murder and being salt and light and all sorts of different things he wants them to see the truth in. Um, I mean, he's even saying, like, I I want you to remove the log from your eye so you can see the speck in someone else's. It's all about seeing and discerning appropriately. So Jesus is is very much bent on helping us become people who um, know how to, like, learn and grow and become aware uh, and recognize what's actually true about something. But here he is... uh, calling out this idea of, of judging others, condemning them, right? Of, of uh, criticizing them and marginalizing them and saying that we know the truth about them and their hearts and we uh, can have a final verdict about that. Now, um, I also wanted to look at Jesus' life because Jesus is saying, do not judge. Um, and that is how Jesus lived his life. Actually, um, he, it says in John 3 that he did not come to condemn. Maybe you've heard this uh, verse before, John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. And then the next verse after that, John three seventeen says that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save it. And so like Jesus' whole mission and, and the whole way he lives his life, like you watch him live this way with people, people who are marginalized, people who society did condemn, and you watch him interact with them with compassion. You watch him move toward them. You watch him eat meals with them. You watch him speak gracefully to them. You watch him uh, uh, see value and worth in them when other people didn't want to see that. And so Jesus lived his life as a life of compassion, not condemnation. But you know, it's interesting. Another thing we see about Jesus' life is that he was constantly condemned by others. So you would think like Jesus is like the nicest dude, most compassionate dude in the world. I bet people treated him great. And uh, read any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read the the story of Jesus, and you're like, why does everyone hate him so much? And they're trying to find ways to kill him. They're like super upset that he's hanging out with people that they don't want him hanging out with. They're upset with the things that he says. And Jesus just ends up being this very controversial person that many people in his day uh, condemn. 
They decide the, the verdict of Jesus that he's a lunatic, uh, he's crazy, he has, he's, he's lying, um, he's uh, trying to get a power grab. And uh, where that ultimately lands him, where uh, Jesus' relationship with condemnation plays out is ultimately he ends up paying his life for the unfair judgment of others. Jesus ends up dying on a cross uh, by his own will. He says he, he lays down his life. No one takes it from him. And Jesus goes through with his crucifixion based upon the judgment of everyone around him who's saying he deserves to die. These things he's saying about himself aren't true. And that's where it lands him. Now, I think this is so important because I think we would totally miss what Jesus is teaching here if we didn't look at his life. Like, so let's go back and read uh, Matthew 7, that verse 1 and 2, and read it again knowing what Jesus' life looked like regarding judgment and condemnation. So it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging uh, is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, when I first read this, I thought, I think what Jesus is saying is if I am a nice guy to other people and I'm compassionate and not judging, then they won't judge me and like life will go smooth. <laughs> but then you look at the life of Jesus and you're like, he couldn't have possibly meant that. Either he's wrong <laughs> or this didn't like work out the way it was supposed to. Jesus does, does not mean to, to lead us on to believe that uh, by following him, we will lead a condemnation-free life in the world. That is not what he's saying here. He is showing us a way to relate to God. He's saying that the people who relate to God most appropriately are people who aren't judgmental, people who treat others the way they want to be treated, people who hold a, a fair and healthy standard with those who they share life with. Those, those kind of people who live that way, they're the kind of people who've learned a right way of relating to God that he's not judgmental, that he treats them with compassion, that he holds them uh, to a standard that understands their humanity and need. He's not saying that you're going to go through this world pain-free. He's putting God in the right place. He's the judge. He is the only one who deserves that like title and place in anyone's life, in our world. It actually says in Romans 2, uh, that the day is coming when God, through Jesus Christ, will judge, Crino, he will judge everyone's secret life. This is what God does. He knows everything about us. He knows what's true and what's not true. Even if we can mask that with someone else or even if someone misjudges us, God knows the heart. He knows what's true. Nothing is a secret to him and nothing escapes him. And God holds that place as knowing all, in our lives, in every person's life. He, like, he's the only one who could really say, like, God can give the final verdict. Like, he's fair, he's good, nothing gets past him, nothing escapes him. He, he judges fairly. Um, and so that, that's what I think Jesus is showing us here. He's talking about how we relate to God. He, he's not saying, hey, if you're, if you're a nice guy and you go through this world, if, if you are sweet to everyone, uh, you won't have any tension or issues with people. That is not what Jesus experienced, and that's not what he's sharing with us here. It's not what he's inviting us into. Jesus was still judged. He was still condemned. He was crucified by others, even though he was the most compassionate 
and loving and gracious human being to ever walk the planet. And when we take that place of judging others, condemning, letting the the radar inside of us continually stay on critique, we're acting as if we're God. And Jesus is warning us against that. That we shouldn't put ourselves on the throne in, in the place of judgment and authority that only God can have. He is not asking us to be likable. He is asking us to allow all of our life to be brought under the lordship and empowering presence of God himself, because that is what is deserving of God. And so that's, that's a lot to process. Um, this had to get processed even uh, in the early church. Um, there was a leader named Paul, and um, he was a missionary. He would share the gospel kind of all throughout um, there in the Middle East and, and into parts of Europe, modern-day Europe. And um, Paul uh, was writing to this church where they were kind of starting to get a little braggy <laughs> about who they followed. Uh, they would like kind of boast, like, you know what, I'm a disciple of Paul, or I'm a disciple of Peter, or I'm a disciple of Apollos, and they would kind of like one-up each other, and they were uh, really building how great their, their lives were based upon who it was they knew. And so uh, Paul's really trying to humble them and help them understand that uh, this should not be so. (laughs) And so he actually says this uh, about himself. And I think it's so uh, true to someone who understood uh, the life of Jesus. And he says this in, in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you, Crino, how I might be judged by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. All those words I underlined are the same word, crino. It's this idea of of judging, right? And so uh, what he's saying is several things. First of all, he's saying, I don't really care what you think, (laughs) which is like easy for most of us. Like, yeah, Paul, like we shouldn't care what other people think. Uh, Like that's easy. We can agree with him. Um, But what's interesting is the second thing he says. He says that, I don't even allow myself to be the ultimate judge of my life. Now that is fascinating because um, as I try to observe how our culture um, navigates the condemnation and shame of others, like we all know we live in a very critical, condemning culture, um, secular, Christian, whatever, like it just exists out there. Um, we, we want like to get out from underneath that. Like we don't, we don't want that shame uh, the, the condemnation, the judgment of others. And uh, a lot of the advice I hear or the blogs I read or kind of just the, the, what gets passed around is that you shouldn't care what other people think. You should be the judge of your own life. It only matters what you think. And Paul is saying someone who has been transformed by the way of Jesus actually doesn't adopt that kind of thinking. Because we're not the ultimate judge of our life. We don't, we don't know everything. We don't have the final verdict. That's like my four-year-old telling me uh, how we should run our household. It's like, dude, you just don't even know. Like my, my seven-year-old thinks that credit cards just like pay for everything without like any repercussions. They're like, just use the card. Like we'll be at like Target going down the aisle. And he's like, just like buy this, dad. You have a credit card. I'm like, you have no idea how this works. I'm trying to like explain to him how the bank works and how like ultimately we have to pay that around each month. He's like, I, I, I don't know. And I'm like, bud, uh, like we spent a whole car ride trying to explain this one time. 
And it's just something he can't perceive in the world. He can't uh, understand all that. And, and we're like that seven-year-old or that four-year-old when we tell God how the world should be run <laughs> or what the final verdict is for all these things in our life. Paul says that I don't care what you think and I don't care what I think. From an ultimate judge, like, verdict standpoint, I can't know. And you can't know. I'm going to ultimately lean upon what God says, what his final verdict is. And so I think that uh, this is really important for us because uh, it's countercultural. It's like not what we would maybe hear if you... uh, uh, just scrolled social media or picked up a book at the airport or read a blog about how to get all the condemning people out of my life. Um, a follower of Jesus allows God to be the ultimate judge, not themselves. I think that's what he's showing us here, how to relate to God. He's showing us that, that if you want to become a person who d- can deal with the condemnation of others, who isn't a condemning person themselves, to, to turn that dial back to compassion you have to remove yourself from the throne. (laughs) You have to let God be God. We have to stop pretending to be God. We have to take ourselves out of that place and let him sit in it. I think this is true about the life of Jesus too. See, Jesus was not uh, your typical influencer. He was not the uh, narcissistic CEO. He was not the egotistical politician. He was not the self-absorbed celebrity pastor. He uh, was humble, Jesus himself didn't even uh, try to bolster his own identity. Continually, read the stories of Jesus. He says, I I don't have to defend myself. I'll let my heavenly father do that. He allowed other people to bear witness to his signs and miracles. When he was on trial for all the things that people wanted to condemn condemn him for, he shut his mouth. Jesus did not live a defensive life. He did not have to bolster who he was. He, like, Jesus did that for me and you. Not because, uh, yeah, he didn't want to get caught in a trap. He was God and he was perfect, but he modeled for us what this would look like. What it looked like to live humbly under God's verdict. What he says is true about us, not just what we think or what others think. And I think that's the only way for us to be free from the black hole of uh, judgment is to stop pretending to be God, to live the way Jesus did. How do you do that, though? This is where Jesus is practical, and he, there is so much insight and wisdom here. He, uh, he says this, we just read it, that uh, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Hypocrite. This, this would be hypocritical. You need to first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, Jesus did not expect that if we properly placed God in our lives as the ultimate authority and judge, that that meant we could live unaccountable lives. (laughs) He's trying to teach us how to properly relate to God and with each other, our friends. Because there are going to be times where we have blind spots and we have weaknesses and we have sin struggles and we fail and we hurt one another And Jesus is trying to not just help us to properly relate to God, but relate to one another. He's trying to give us a healthy framework for mutual accountability and growth. Because how we see matters. He calls it out as hypocritical when someone tries to offer wisdom and discernment when they themselves haven't humbled themselves to the place of 
becoming a person of discernment and living under God's wisdom. He's try, trying to point out that that's, that's backwards. It's, it's hypocritical. It's incongruent. And that all starts with a God awareness. That he is the ultimate authority. And as I'm aware of him, it makes me aware of who I am. And it humbles me. And it just doesn't make me feel low about myself. It actually opens me up to all of the change and growth that God wants to bring into my life. Because he's good in his place as judge. <laughs> he doesn't use that place to condemn me. He uses that place to draw near to me. To help me, to serve me the way Jesus does and show compassion. And so um, this, this is the step we got to take. Like we have these blind spots. We, we all have specks in our eyes. Some of us, like we have, we have like that log in our eye. This happens to me. There's times where there, like, there's things that are just so blatantly obvious to like all of you. And you're like, how can he not see it? Like his flies down. Like, oh no, like and I just can't see it. I can't see the weakness, the, the struggle, the failure. And this is also what people see in your life. <laughs> They're like, uh, holy cow, like how are they missing this? How, how do we relate to one another in a healthy way? It all starts with how we relate to God. That followers of Jesus must learn to daily evaluate their own hearts and lives before God. This is what it means when Jesus says you have to remove the log from your own eye. You have to live under the thing that, that God has called us to live under. His, his rule, his, his authority, his, his ultimate verdict. When he, when he pierces the heart, when he reveals something that's true, sometimes that's something God can reveal like through a message like this or just as you're like spending time alone with God. And sometimes that is something a loving friend who knows you and has trust with you respectfully and graciously points that out, right? A good friend would do that. They wouldn't be condemning they wouldn't try to act like they have it all together. They, they would want to understand you and give the benefit of the doubt, but they're also going to challenge you at times too because they want to see you grow. They want to, if they're a Christ follower, they want to see you live more of your life under the goodness and flourishing that God wants to give you. And so they're, they're trying to help you see better. But that actually starts with us adopting that humble posture where we say, God, our hearts and lives are open before you. Whatever it is you want to do, I want to let you do that in my life. I was, uh, I've been hanging out with some of our young professionals over the summer, um, kind of like upper 20s, mid 30s, um, mostly single, some married in our church, and just trying to help them uh, create a sense of community. And one of the things we've been doing, we, we've just kind of been doing a gathering once a month. And last week, we had a gathering, and, and I brought together kind of a, a panel of people in our church to talk about uh, work. And faith. And so I had two men and women in our church just kind of at the front of the room, and these 40 young professionals are just kind of uh, asking them questions like, How do you know God has called you to that career? And like, How do you discover that? And what if you feel stuck? And like, How do I live my faith out in my my vocation, my work? Um, How do I share Christ with others? How what does generosity look like? And, and how do I take care of the people who work for me or I work with? And uh, just kind of working through all these different questions. It was so good um, and such a great time. Better than me just uh, talking <laughs> for an hour. And um, what was fascinating, we were running out of time. And uh, this one girl who was there uh, had our last question. And she was very honest. I was, I was so appreciative of her. And it was a great way to end the evening. But she said, um, I have to be honest. 
she was like, I work from home, and today, while I was working from home, uh, I wrote something on a sticky note this morning. <laughs> and she's like, it wasn't good. I wouldn't want Pastor Jeff to read it. And I'm like, what did the sticky note say? <laughs> and um, she's like, uh, I, I took it down, but it was like on my monitor all day, and I threw it away. But now here I am at like this, like I should be living out my faith in my workplace. And uh, they asked the, she asked the panelists, what would you replace my sticky note with? I was like, oh, that is such a good question. I don't want to answer it. <laughs> so they all did. And um, they just gave such great uh, wisdom and truth and like what Jesus would have done, like directing us back to the heart of God. And uh, one lady on our panel in particular just gave uh, this great scripture, uh, this great part of the Bible in the Psalms that I, I wanted to, to share even this week and I thought it fit. And so it's uh, Psalm 139. And uh, this is where she started. She was like, I, I've read this in, in Psalm 139 before. It says, Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who dis dis oppose you? I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. That's in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's what the sticky note said. Like, uh, I think that's uh, what she had originally. And I was like, where are we going with this? And uh, she's like, do you know how honest this psalm is and, and what, what the author of this poem, what they say next. And this is what it says. Right after that, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's good. <laughs> I think that uh, why that's so applicable is because when we're in that place of judgment, where we're like justified into, we're like, I hate who you hate, God, and like, I hate them with total hatred. Where we need to be brought back to is this place of what's the log in our own eye? What's the log in our own eye? And it sounds like this. Search me, O oh God. My heart and my life are open before you. Not in a pretentious way, not in a so I can show you I'm better than other people way, but Lord, I, I, I want you to know me. I know you know me, and I want you to test what you know about me. I want you to reveal. I want you to have the final verdict. I want you to sift through all that and pick out the things that are not of you. There's parts of me that are so anxious, God, what, what have I failed to believe about you? What if I started to believe about myself and the people around me. God, don't leave me there. Lead me to what's next. Lead me to life. Lead me out of that place where I can't see others clearly. I can't see you clearly. God, help me relate to you better. Help me relate to others better. God, search me and know my heart. See, Jesus was echoing this. He was saying, if you want to become a person who does not judge others and rightly relates to God, you have to start with your own heart, with the log in your eyes. Otherwise, you won't see clearly. And this whole community project of living out our faith and following Jesus will be more hurtful and damaging than helpful and uplifting. Because he did expect that we would find the specks and the logs in each other's eyes and that we would graciously and lovingly and compassionately help each other with that. Like, no one wants to live with dust in their eye. Like, you ever get a splinter? It's, like, mad painful. <laughs> in your eye? I, thankfully, I didn't have an illustration for that this weekend. 
Like, it's not good. We can't see clearly. It's irritating. It's not the way that we're supposed to live. And the people around us, as long as we're, we're reading the same Bible here, and we're relating to God in, in this way with humility, that we can actually relate to one another with humility as well. As well. We can align our lives more under God's good rule and reign and verdict in our life because we're seeking him together. So we have to spend more time identifying our own blind spots and weaknesses and sin struggles than we do other people's. At least we have to start there. And if you're wondering what that looks like, I would just encourage you to do what that young woman did. Just like make the sticky note. Or what I like to do is, if you can, carve out extended periods of time where you can just be honest before God, where you can saturate yourself in what's true about him, and you can say, okay, God, show me what I'm not seeing. I'd show up in community with others who you trust and who've proven they can care, care for you, who, who they want to follow and seek Jesus to, and they, they have your best interest in mind. They want to understand you. I would share your life in close community with other people who will graciously and humbly point these things out in your own life as you also help them and point that out in their life. I think that's how you would practically live this out. It's important that we think about how this plays out and how we relate to others. This is what Jesus ends the whole conversation on, like how we relate to God through prayer and generosity and and anxiety and judging and all these broken relationships He ends by saying this, that we should do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. That this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. If you want to reduce it down, we sometimes call this the golden rule. That like this is a great pattern to live by. But it's difficult. It's difficult when we have a log in in our own eye and we haven't fully opened ourselves up to God and others to see people the way God sees them. We see them more through the thing that's stuck in our eye than we do seeing them as the people that God loves and who Jesus would move toward and who he would die for even though they want to kill him. And I I just wanted to be practical with uh, this for us this weekend because I think that our horizontal relationships affect our vertical relationship with God, just as much as our vertical relationship with God should play out in our horizontal relationships. And so it does feel a little bit about like how do we relate to each other better as we also relate to God. If you're wrestling through people you're, you're dealing with that condemnation of, I think there's a few different categories you might find yourself in and I want us to think about how you know, what we're thinking and how Jesus might speak into that. One group of people that's easy for me to judge are um, others who I feel discouraged by. And so I'd ask you, are you discouraged by others, right? Um, Jesus says to treat others the way that we would want to be treated, but I really want you to know how I want to be treated. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'll think about you, but when are you going to start thinking about me? When are you going to anticipate all of my needs and my hurts and all the things I'm going through? Like, are we reading the same thing here? Because I know I'm supposed to, like, treat you the way I want to be treated, but, like, sometimes it feels like the people in our life are missing us. And it's discouraging. 
And it's like, don't you see the hurt? Don't you see the loneliness? Don't you see these huge deficits? Don't you see what this is doing? And it's discouraging. It discourages us from wanting to treat them the way we would want to be treated because they're not treating us the way we want to be treated. And I think that's a part of our starting point. It's a, it's a part of what we would look at the life of Jesus. Like, I, I don't think most people treated him the way he would have hoped they would have. But that did not change the trajectory of how Jesus lived. He treated others with compassion and grace and love despite how he was treated. That, that is discouraging. That's like a, a hard thing to, to uh, understand that like following Jesus doesn't make our life easier. We don't get to live condemnation free. Like he says, they hated me, so they'll hate you too. That's like, that's like difficult because what, what we come is wanting to be free from that condemnation, right? We're like, I just want out of that. And Jesus is like, I can't, I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that everyone's gonna treat you the way you wanna be treated, but I can offer you a way of life that starts by treating others the way you have been treated because Jesus isn't condemning. God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness and forgiving to many. And this is how God relates with you. And he expects that we might choose to relate to others despite how they treat us. I think that's one way that uh, it's easy to judge others. And another question I would ask you is, are you destructive toward others? These are uh, people who you've kind of hit a, a point in your life where um, you're kind of at the end of it. I notice this a lot uh, in that cultural space where Christians get the bad name for being judgmental. What I end up hearing in in that cultural sphere and and kind of in that tone and language is that um, Christians can get tired of continually being the people who are crucified. And inappropriately, what we respond with is, when is it going to be our turn to crucify someone? We, we get sick of having to be the ones who continually receive condemnation and judgment, and we decide it's time to turn it around because we're done. And that is not the way of Jesus. To hold a, a faith in Christ And to also hold tightly in the other hand that I have the freedom to crucify others and judge them is incongruent with the Christian life. They don't don't match together. It's not the way of Jesus. I read this quote. It said, we may disagree with our neighbors and we may discern another person or group to be wrong. But when this discernment, which is good, When this discernment leads us to value our neighbor less, that is when we cross from discernment to judgment, condemnation, and ungodly exclusion. Jesus views these things as incompatible with following him. Despite how difficult it is, Jesus stayed on the cross. Jesus never spent his life crucifying others despite what it cost him. And when you see that happen in our culture, you can know, you can discern that's not the way of Jesus. And it's challenging to us 
because it's easy for us to all go there. Even if we don't say it out loud, it's easy for us to want to see others destroyed. Another way that judging others plays out, we can ask ourselves, are you disengaged with others? Jesus is not saying that we need to be more kind or more tolerant. (laughs) Um, Just like live and let live, you do you. Actually, that's very common in a lot of other religions, that like uh, a a high place of, of moral achievement is that like you don't, you know, cause any more wrong in the world. But what Jesus says is actually so much uh, more than that. He goes so much further by saying that it's not enough just for you to be a tolerant person or to be non-judgmental or uh, to be agreeable. He wants you to learn how to actively love the people in your life with humility, with self-sacrifice, to seek the good and flourishment of all those around you, even when they don't want or offer that back to you. That is very aligned with the way of Jesus because that is how he's acted toward us. This is, this is very hard to process. Like, <laughs> this is one of those sermons where you're like, I hope the other person in the room is listening to this and you're like, I don't know if there's anything here for me. And it's like, ah, let's just be honest. Like, we're all here. And Jesus knows that, like, Thank goodness he's not condemning. Thank goodness he's rescuing. Thank goodness that like Jesus, when um, he could be discouraged by how people treated him or how we have treated him, he chooses to act in a loving and compassionate way regardless. Uh, Thank goodness that like when we want Jesus crucified or we want God out of our life, uh, that God isn't that spiteful, destructive, vengeful way back. Thank, uh, like, thank goodness that when we disengage from God, like he doesn't disengage from us. He's still present in our lives and watches over us. But he's inviting us into a better way to relate to God and he's shown us what that way is through his son Jesus. And so maybe if you're here this weekend and you're like, that sounds so compelling and good. And this is like a new way of life for you. I would want to invite you into that and say like this, this is a moment where God is inviting you to follow him. He's showing you how good he is. Maybe you're in a place where um, you've felt the condemnation of ju- and judgment of others and you're weary. And, and looking at Christ reminds you of who you follow and how to follow him. And maybe there's people in your life that it's, it will change and rewire how you can relate to them because of how God has related to you. I'd love to invite the band out and pray us through that psalm because that's where it starts, right? At, at the heart level, at the log and the eye level. And so uh, we'll just pray here. Father, thank you that um, you are gracious and compassionate to us. Um, that your son Jesus does not you know, walk throughout this room condemning us. Certainly you you want to invite us into a way of life that is good where um, evil and goodness are discerned from God, but you, you want to invite us in. And so I pray that you would just open our hearts up to your goodness despite the brokenness in our own hearts and in the people around us. And where I I pray that we would start, God, is that our hearts and lives would be open to you. That we would be willing to pray the prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. That 
everything about us would be open to you, that we would allow you to test the things in us that are most anxious, the places of our lives where there's the most upheaval and condemnation and fear. Lord, as we invite you into that space, would we hear your your gracious invitation back to you, back to truth, back to your heart, back to what you've done through us through, done for us through the person of Jesus. And lead us out the other side. Lead us um, in everlasting life, God. We want to follow you. We want to be your people. We want to know you and walk close with you because that's where life is. Help us, God, where no one else can help us heal and grow and be free. Thank you for your son Jesus and what he's done through us, done for us through the cross and your spirit who you promise is with us and will advocate and guide us. I pray it in Jesus' name.